quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Your email, your social media, your website, all those aspects of your branding are like flowers in your bouquet. And if one is dead, wilted over, the whole bouquet looks like garbage. So it's very important that all that has continuity and is tied to those two things that I mentioned, which is your niche and your avatar, and then who you are as a person, because that's ultimately who they're investing in. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I am your host, Joe Cornwell, and today I'm with Derek Peterson. Derek runs a real estate media company. He helps operators raise funds and build marketing channels. He has also stepped into the real estate game as an operator and a fundraiser as well, doing syndications. He's over 500 doors and he's doing a new build to rent development at 190 doors in the Phoenix market. Derek, thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's been a couple of years since you've been here. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me back, Joe. It's an honor to always be on this show. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. We appreciate you coming back. I know that a lot has changed for you the past couple of years. You said it's been a couple of years since you've been on the show. We'll be sure to link to your previous episodes for anyone who wants to catch up on that. But open up with what has changed the last couple of years for you in your business. A lot's changed. When I was on a couple of years ago, really my focus of the conversation was more around marketing for real estate capital raisers, sponsors, and operators. So for those that are listening right now, I have a marketing firm that when we first started, we were just any traditional marketing agency that did marketing for any company. It didn't matter your pizza shop, you're a plumber, whatnot. And one of my first folks that I actually did some branding for was somebody by the name of Chris Benson or Reliant Real Estate, their self-storage operator. I think he's probably been on the show, Chris. And that got me into the space and understanding what real estate syndication and capital raising is. And then over the years, I started to build more and more brands as a company in this space to at one point, this wasn't what we were doing a few years ago. We completely shifted and pivoted to just being monomaniacally focused on that. So if you go to our website right now, .mediaagency.com, you'll see that's all we do. That's all we focus on. So that's been a big shift and pivot. I was always telling my clients in the real estate and capital raising space, you really need to focus and niche down on the avatar and niche you're trying to reach, yet I wasn't doing it. So I thought, you know what, as a marketing firm, let's just go ahead and niche down. And it's been tremendous. And it's opened up so many doors for me, not only just from a market perspective and that business all onto itself, but it's really allowed me to completely shift and pivot what I spend most of my day doing, which is raising capital and operating this fund with a relationship that's developed since the last time I was on. So last time I was on, I was just beginning to raise capital. I had a capital raising company. We raised for other sponsors and operators. And we raised over the course of a couple of years, 20 million uh, across a variety of different asset classes. And it was a great experience wearing the capital raising hat to understand what's it like vetting out and finding good sponsors and operators. What should I look for? What's the investor mindset? What do they want? Really trying to completely understand all aspects of sitting on what I'll call that side of the fence. But I always had dreams and aspirations of sitting on the other side of the fence, which was to be that sponsor and operator. But there's so much more that's involved. That's an entire team versus just a couple of dudes that are raising capital, which is what I do a lot of branding for is just people that are really stepping into the space. 
So going from an LP investor to the marketing firm to raising capital, I had an opportunity to meet somebody by the name of Balakrishnan. He's my partner at 10Y. That's our company. 10Y stands for 10 years to retirement. We can get into what that means later. We kind of get the point. And we met as just somebody that, Derek, can you build my brand? Because we've built brands for 250 companies in that space. He wanted us to do his. And when we met, it was like love at first sight. We just clicked. We bonded. He's very new in his journey and creating his business. And he needed a marketing guy. He needed somebody that had capital raising experience. So rather than just having a typical traditional relationship, like you pay me as my marketing firm and I elevate your brand. So when we take this to a different level, so I flew out to Phoenix three times because I really wanted to make sure who I was getting in bed with and potentially partnering with and really understand to the root and the core who this person was. So I went through my due diligence and it was a very extensive, thorough and in-depth process. But at the end of that rainbow, I realized this is where I need to be. And this is a tremendous opportunity, which we can get into why that is. Because I see every different type of syndication, deal, asset class, investor avatar, hundreds of them. And this one was completely different and sort of blew my mind the way in which it was structured. So I felt this was a tremendous opportunity. So I jumped in. And in the last year and a half, we've done some tremendous things at 10Y. We closed a $20 million fund this past July for that 190 unit build to rent community in the Phoenix MSA. And we're about 25 million into a $30 million raise right now for our second fund, which actually has three properties for another roughly 500 units in the Phoenix MSA. So four total developments that we're looking to stand up by the end of this capital raise, which we hope to get wrapped up at the end of this month. So it's been a wild journey just going from just some dude that want to open a marketing firm to here, having raised close to $50 million in the last year and being on this show to have this discussion, I kind of have to pinch myself. It seems a bit surreal. Well, a lot has changed over the last few years. I do want to back up to something you mentioned where in your marketing business and the clients you were working with, you were constantly advising them to niche down into something specific. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you feel that's important? Yeah, great question. So I always tell clients that the riches are in the niches. So there are a lot of capital raising companies out there. There are a lot of different businesses that are vying for your attention. And attention is really all that marketing is. I'm just trying to get someone's attention and have them arrive at that piece of content, that website, that email, that text messaging, and feel like, oh, hey, they get me. They understand who I am. So when you create something that's broad, that casts a wide net, a lot of our clients that come to us, they often feel that's what they want to do. Like, I just want to work with those who want to invest in real estate because they want passive income snooze fest, right? That's not going to capture anyone's attention. They're going to create a brand that's got a bunch of stock images on it and very benign, boring text. That's not going to connect with somebody. The reality is every single business is a solution to a problem. A pizza shop, it's a solution to my hunger. A plumber, I've got a leaky faucet. And we need to trust that this individual understands what my needs are and can be a solution to that problem. So when you niche down and you relate to somebody, it connects with them at another level and gets them to do what every piece of marketing is intended to do. And that's to get them to take the call to action, whatever that is. That might be book a call with you to talk about your investment dreams. That might be to download that lead magnet, join a webinar, whatnot. But if you don't have attractive bait on the hook, the fish is just going to swim by it. 
So you really need to make sure that that bait is very specific for that fish and that your lure's in the right pond. So that's why niching down is important. It's counterintuitive, right? A lot of people think if I niche it down too small, then that pond is more like a puddle. It's a small little body of water. There's only a few fish swimming in it. But the reality is it's blue water. We always talk about this marketing. It's blue water versus bloody water, or you go to water where everyone's fishing and it's just chum rolling around. It's a lot harder to catch a fish versus I'd rather go to a pond that has just a few fish in it, but they're my fish and they understand and they get me. So I've done this with a variety of brands and I can give countless examples of ways in which we've really forced people to niche down and they've had tremendous success from it. It's interesting you say that. So I'm admittedly not great at social media. And a couple of years ago, I started a YouTube channel that I was never consistent with. But one of the things I did learn with my research and starting a channel and trying to do some long form video was that my go-to, like on, let's say Facebook historically, and I'm a millennial, so Facebook is kind of our prime social media we grew up with. And you want all of your sphere, everyone who knows you to support your content, right? Well, that would at least be my default thought. And as I researched and started learning YouTube, you actually don't want that at all. Because what happens is the people want to support you. So they may go subscribe to your channel, but they're not actually bought into the content because they don't necessarily care about real estate or whatever you're talking about. And it made me think of what you were saying, where those aren't your fish in your pond, because just because they like you as a person doesn't mean they give a crap about your hour long talking head video about buying duplexes or whatever, right? So they're not actually engaged, which tells the algorithm it's bad content, which doesn't put it out there. And you could probably sum that up a lot better than I just did. But is that analogy similar to what you're talking about when it comes to business marketing and things like that? Definitely. I think a lot of people, especially like, let's use YouTube as an example with YouTube, you're absolutely 100% correct in that it's one thing to have a number of subscribers that looks good, feels good. Hey, I've got 10,000 subscribers. But if your watch time and all that stuff is not where it needs to be and people aren't watching the entire video, they're not staying engaged, they're just there to support you or there was some sort of marketing hack to get them to subscribe that doesn't serve you. What's more important is let's really just whittle it down to those subscribers that matter. So take 10,000 and whittle it down to 200. The idea of being famous to a few, right? If I'm looking to raise $50 million and the average investment is around a quarter million, I really need a couple hundred people that I'm close to, that trust me, I know them, they know me, we relate. They're in my niche, they're part of my avatar. Whatever that is, they get it. Versus having 10,000 people that just loosely, flippantly follow me, that doesn't really serve me. So we see a lot of folks, as a marketer, we get a lot of people, I wanna increase the number of followers I have, I wanna increase this, and I'm like, no you don't. What you wanna do is you wanna niche down and you wanna increase the number of quality people that are following you, and really the metric or the KPI that you wanna look at is what's the engagement? How many people are booking appointments? Followers don't really matter. I can go buy followers and none of that matters. So yeah, you definitely want to be more focused, especially in this space, as I've learned in being famous to a few versus just having this big presence and number on your YouTube page or Facebook, Instagram, pick your platform. Well, I appreciate all that insight. And obviously having that background is super helpful. And I'm assuming that's helped you in your business now where you're actively raising money, you started your fund and tell me a little bit about how you transitioned from that role into the actual operation side. It was funny. I'll take it back a little bit and how I transitioned into the role completely, which was back in 2019. It really wasn't that long ago, four years ago. I decided I owned a medical distribution business and I was just kind of sick of it. I wanted to open a marketing firm 
and a travel agency. Yes, travel agencies still do exist because I wanted to be able to travel the world with my wife and be able to have a business that could work from anywhere. That was the original reason why I got into this space. I was an LP investor here and there. So I started the marketing firm. Like I said, I had that first client, Chris Benson, and I started doing client by client by client. I ran into Tim and Greg Lyons at Cityside Capital, and I asked them, how do I get into the game? I want to do what you do. And they said, we should do, Derek, because you're building a lot of brands for capital raisers. Eventually, someone's just going to ask you to partner, bring your superpower of marketing to the table, and that's your way in. What you lack in knowledge and real estate, you can pick up for on the ability to track investors and marketing. So I chewed on that for a minute. I was like, that's a great idea. So I went for a walk with my wife on the beach and I said, we're going to do that. And that was in 2019. So I started a capital raising company, like I said, and I kind of fizzled if I'm being honest, just because everyone's doing it part-time and I kind of wanted to go bigger. And then we made the decision to, like I said, partner with Bala. And, and that was really where that transition happened. That transition happened when I made that commitment to say, I'm going to go all in on this, learn all the things and the nuances that it means to be an operator and to sit on that side of the fence, not the capital raising fence, which was really useful to me when it came to raising capital. But I wanted to come in to this role. And my value is obviously marketing the business and creating our niche, creating all the branding, but then being able to attract the investor and to attract the money. And that has been my biggest role in this is how was I going to go about doing that? And that's really what the greatest transition has been for me is taking the time that I used to spend at the marketing firm and peeling off a good 70% of my day now and allocating it to this. I still need to keep that marketing firm going because those relationships that I build in the capital raising space is what's allowed me to be able to go out and raise so much capital so fast. So let's talk a little bit more about that. You've mentioned how you transitioned and what specifically for the listener, I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody out there has maybe done a couple smaller deals. They're looking to scale up into some of the larger types of properties and maybe go from JVs to syndications or something like that. What would your advice be to them if they're looking to start doing some of this marketing for themselves, help them raise more funds, get access to more potential investors? What would your advice be to them? Yeah, great question. I have this discussion every single day. So we work with a lot of masterminds out there. That's where we get a lot of our business. We've become the lead go-to referral source for these masterminds because these masterminds want to see these new, as you said, up-and-coming capital raisers, sponsors, and operators succeed. And a lot of what hinges on that success outside of the day-to-day -day operations is do they have the ability to attract investors and attract dollars? Without that, they have nothing. So the conversation that we have with folks is when I sit down with somebody who's looking to develop their brand, it's the first thing we do, because this goes back to what we talked about earlier, the seed by which everything else is planted or grows around in terms of their marketing is who is the person that they're trying to reach and what is the problem that they're solving. And that goes with any business is really understanding what that is. So I spend a lot of time with each client. I spend over an hour, hour and a half with people when I have an initial consult with them to understand what is their niche and avatar. Some of them don't know. Some of them are that new. They're not even really sure. So I walk them through. And a lot of times when you're new to the game, your niche and avatar is who you were two to three years ago. So that's that struggling tech employee that is just getting paid huge commission checks and getting hammered on taxes. And they realize that they want a more cash flow versus these inconsistent commission checks and real estate hikes. It's that pilot that wants other passive income streams and feels that they can potentially relate to other pilots. 
It's that person that has an investment thesis that is very unique, that solves a problem that other investment theses don't really apply. So it's really understanding what is that niche and avatar. That's the first part. Then the second part of that, because a lot of these capital raising companies, they start small, right? It's typically one person or it's a group of several individuals. It's really understanding their personality. Because at the end of the day, when an investor comes to invest with you, your marketing's got to be tight. You got to have a great website. Your email's got to be good. And all that stuff does matter. Don't get me wrong. Your pitch deck's got to be magnificent. But at the end of the day, none of that actually matters. What matters is, do they trust you? Do they have that gut feel that you're going to get it done? And what comes from that is ensuring that you are the most true and authentic version of yourself. So none of this imposter syndrome. We get people all the time. I want to be like Grant Cardone. I'm like, cool. Are you like Grant Cardone or are you you? I remember I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago and the guy's like, no, I'm actually an introvert. I was like, do you think that's going to come across a little awkward <laughs> that you're an introvert? You're going to feel like you're faking it and your investor's going to sense that and they're going to taste that. And when they actually meet with you, unless you put on that Grant Cardone sort of persona 24 seven and every bit of your marketing, all your social media, the way you write your emails, all that stuff, there's going to be inconsistency and with inconsistency comes distrust. So it's super important that A, you understand your avatar and your niche and B, you're the truest authentic version of yourself. And then what we do is once I understand that, who you are, what you're about, and I can give examples of this, we make sure that's blended into your branding. So everything that we do is completely custom. You can't have this cookie cutter, bland, just sort of boring website that's not very, everything needs to be taken into consideration when building that brand around who you are and your niche. Because a brand was probably best described by Alex Hermosi. I don't know if you follow him at all, but he talks about a brand being like a bouquet of flowers, in which a bouquet of flowers isn't a thing, just a bunch of things together that creates a new thing. So your email, your social media, your website, all those aspects of your branding are like flowers in your bouquet. And if one is dead, wilted over, the whole bouquet looks like garbage. So it's very important that all that has continuity and is tied to those two things that I mentioned, which is your niche and your avatar, and then who you are as a person, because that's ultimately who they're investing in. They don't care about your building. They care about the person operating it. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. A 1031 exchange is one of the greatest tools to build your real estate portfolio. But before you sell your next investment property, if you want to save thousands in capital gains taxes, please give our friends at 1031 Pros a call. Whether you're an individual investor, title company, or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help you or your clients with their 1031 exchange needs. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros specializes in various types of exchanges like delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states, all while ensuring your transaction is fast, reliable, transparent, and secure. 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges, and right now, best ever listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031spros.com slash best ever. That's my1031spros.com slash best ever to get $250 off today. Have you heard that Mint, the popular personal finance app, is shutting down? If you use Mint, that's bad news. The good news is that there is an even better alternative, Monarch Money. Monarch gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with others. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash best ever. Most personal finance apps are clunky and cluttered with ads. Monarch is different. Its intuitive design makes setup, customization, and everyday use simple and easy. 
Monarch is also the most customizable budgeting app available. You can change your dashboard layout, create custom budgets and notifications, and even invite your partner, accountant, or financial advisor to have a joint view of your finances at no extra cost. Once you try Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it was named 2024's best budgeting app by the Wall Street Journal. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash best ever. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash best ever for your extended 30-day free trial. It's funny you mentioned Alex Ramosi, and I do follow some of his content. And I think it was actually him who said this, I believe. I saw it a while back. But it was something along the lines of, you don't have to try to be somebody, whatever it is you're trying to achieve, especially like in social media, who you are is what you should be projecting. And the example he gave is who you are is this makeup of all these unrelated things, but that creates your niche. So I think in that clip, you might've used Joe Rogan as an example, but it was UFC and comedy and podcasting are like all unrelated things. You may not really Mm -hmm. think as something, but now when you think of any of those, you think of Joe Rogan because he's at the hierarchy of all of those things. And the point he was making was that's just an authentic person and why he gets so much attention and has the biggest podcast and all this other stuff. But if you don't want to try to act like Joe Rogan, you want to be who you are and create your own niche because that is basically the sum of all your parts, as you mentioned. Hopefully I didn't butcher that too much, but that was what I took away from it anyway. Yeah. No, you're spot on, man. You got to be yourself. It's a lot easier being yourself too. Let's be honest. When you try to fake being somebody else, it's a little bit of a challenge. And honestly, most people is They can see through it. They see that it's kind of BS. So you you really just want to be yourself and understand that you're not going to connect with everybody. You're not going to cast this wide net. That's why niching is important. There are some people who are going to think they don't like you. You may get some nasty messages. The more true and authentic you are and you start to get a little bit of, I'll call them haters, awesome, you've arrived. You're so niche down that you have some people that they want to hate on you a little bit because I've got clients that have got that, but they have a massive following. And when they get that first abrasive comments in their social media or someone challenging them, they're like, man, what is this? I'm like, ah, you have arrived. Congratulations. This is where you want to be. But it's all about being yourself. Nothing pumps the algorithm more than 5,000 people arguing in the comments. (laughs) This is true. It certainly doesn't, doesn't hurt a video going viral either. There's no such thing as bad publicity, as they say. This has been great. Again, far from the expert on social media, so I appreciate it all. I've taken some tips for sure. Anything else you want to add on your operational standpoint on the things you've learned before we transition? No, I think we're going to get more into the superpower, so I think I'll reserve that for then. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That is our next segment. So something new we're going to be trying on the show is drilling down on our guest superpower. As I mentioned, you are our first guest that I'm doing this with. So What is your unique superpower that you feel gives you an advantage over other investors? The unique superpower that I think has allowed us to have the success we've had over the last year and a half in raising capital at a time that raising capital has been difficult for most. And I think that's probably been somewhat of a theme that you've heard across the airwaves. I know a lot of my clients are feeling that pain. It's a difficult time. So how do you stand out? How do you still succeed in this space outside of your branding? What else can you do? First of all, assuming your branding's tight and all that stuff, my unique superpower that I've discovered truthfully just by happenstance over the course of the last year and a half is because I have the opportunity as a marketing firm owner that works with real estate sponsors and operators, I have an opportunity to have conversations with hundreds of them. 
And we have a studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where a lot of them fly in to shoot their video for the website. So I spend a day with these people, really getting to know them. We go out to lunch, we hang out. I get to know all the different nuances of them. So when you start to develop relationships like this with individuals, you really start to build this community behind you of people that one day I could see doing something with this guy or maybe this gal, or maybe not. Some people I have conversations with, we build brands and I'm like, We'll see how they do. The greatest brand in the world, they have other aspects of the way in which they do business that I wouldn't want to be a part of. So really allows you to start to develop this network. And when tasked with the opportunity to be able to raise 50 million over the last year, I was like, man, how are we going to do this? So here's the marketing guy that's sweating a little bit. I should be like, oh, this guy's got it. No problem. He just whip up some social media and have his entire team make amazing content and money will just fall from the sky. Well, that wasn't the case. Because again, everyone's struggling with it. So I started to realize you've got access to all these people that can build a team. So and really pick your own kickball team, pick your dream team from this sea or this pool of customers that I've worked with to be able to build a team to be able to go to raise this capital. And not only build that team, but I build the brands for these teams. So I could have that conversation with these individuals and then be able to jump into the driver's seat with them. Because some of these folks were experienced capital raisers, but most of them weren't. But I saw potential in those individuals. So I guess my superpower is really taking a look at that individual and look at that person, really understanding them at the core and spending a lot of quality time with them to see if they might be a good fit as a partner then providing them with the tools and resources in that marketing machine to then partner with us to go raise capital and jump in the driver's seat with them. So jump into their marketing machine that we built and help them drive it alongside of them to give them the guidance, to give them the experience. So they almost get another layer and level of service to which I'm not charging them for this because we're benefiting mutually to go raise capital for these assets. And that's been an amazing ride that I've had this year. You'll be brought on 13 people that have just been absolute studs, just a stud group. And I was able to pick by the niche and avatar who I thought would be a good fit. This person works with clinicians and this person works with attorneys and this person worked with farmers. So we had all these different niches and avatars where I could say, these are the types of customers that we would want to be part of our 10 year fund. And it's been a tremendous experience. So we were able to raise 20 million in four weeks, which we close on that back in July. And then, like I said, we're 25 out of 30 million at the time of this recording here in January. And we've done that in about six weeks, which was pretty fast, all from LP investors. So it's, it's all LP investors. So that's an unknown superpower that I've realized, the ability to build that team and raise capital. I made some notes. It sounds like starting from the top, raising money, building relationships via networking through your businesses that you've been a part of, and then ultimately building teams through all of that experience, networking and relationships. And I guess my question to you would be for the listener who may be listening to this and saying, well, yeah, of course, this guy's got a marketing background. He's getting access to all these high profile people. That's something I can never do. That's something I can never have. What would your advice be to them for their unique situation where they could take the steps to help themselves network, build relationships, and ultimately build teams at the point where they're trying to either raise money or scale a business or whatever their situation may be. Anyone can do this and you don't have to have a marketing firm to do it. That was just the vehicle by which I was able to build those relationships. But I'll give an example of someone who doesn't have this, that I actually got this idea from them because they interviewed me. A lot of folks that are listening 
are real estate operators, sponsors, capital raisers, and we all kind of have the same goal. And a lot of us belong to these masterminds and these masterminds have these big meetings. So I was at a meeting, it was Hunter Thompson's meeting, Race Fest last year. And I got asked by Rob Beardsley at Lone Star Capital, actually Craig McGruther, one of his partners, asked me to come sit down with them because they want to talk to me about something. Now me, marketing dude, I was like, oh, he, they just want to talk about marketing. I was raising capital at the time and that wasn't why he was there. So Rob and Craig sat at this meeting for five days in the corner and they reached out to all these people that were inside of that mastermind and they set up meetings with them and they interviewed them. They got to know these people to see if they might be a good fit to raise capital and to partner with them. And I realized that as we started to sit down in the meeting that that's what this was about. And at the time, it just didn't make sense for me. I was already kind of doing my own thing, but that's where a light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. What a good idea. They carve out a certain percent of their GP for co-GPs and fund managers. And that was really what planted the seed in my mind. This is actually a good idea. This is a good strategy, but you need access. So I had that access, but for those who are listening and don't have that access, being part of these masterminds gives you access to this community of people and these capital raisers are salivating to raise capital to look for good sponsors and operators. Join one of them. Join one of those masterminds. Go to the meetings. Go to the best ever conference. You can be at those events and have an opportunity to just get face to face. Go out, have dinner, have a cocktail, a cigar, whatever you're into, go out there and just break bread with these people and get to know them at the core. That's the key. So it's one thing to talk business. It's all about that. But before I get to know somebody and decide to do anything with business, we're going to go do something. We're going to go have some fun together. We're going to go go-kart racing, whatever. We're going to go do something to really get to know the person because ultimately that's who you're going to be hanging around with and spending a lot of time with. So for those who are listening as well, I encourage you through your vetting process to really get to know these individuals because partnerships at the surface level, when you first meet people, they all seem great. Oh, we're all going to make a ton of money. We're going to do great and do great things together. But you really got to know who you're potentially working with, especially if it's a long-term relationship. Like ours is a 10-year fund. So when we picked our kickball team, I was like, we got to make sure these people are a good fit. We turned some people away after we got to know them. So be cautious of that as well in that process. Not everyone's a good fit just because they have the ability to raise money for you. Yeah. And I'll add to that. Let's say for a new investor, because all of the stuff you said is fantastic. And there's people that have some experience, have some track record, have raised some money, are going to do well by following everything you just said. But for the people who may be just getting started, maybe they're just trying to do their first deal, or maybe they're just trying to do their first deal where they're raising money or partnering. One thing that helped me a ton is going to even just the local groups that are free, totally free networking. Sometimes RIAs are free. They have like an intro meeting. Obviously, RIA is relatively cost effective if you did want to join it. There's a lot of other free meetup groups. Here in Cincinnati, we have 10 a month that are started by various investors. And so if you're newer to this and you, this sounds all over your head, or maybe spending $500 or $1,000 on a conference is outside of your budget at this point, like I said, there's a huge benefit to just networking with other investors, learning from people, even in your local area. And as an agent and as an investor, building relationships with these people for free over the years has helped all of my businesses, helped me grow as an investor. So I would just add that for anyone who maybe feels like this is a little bit over their head if they're not quite there on the things you mentioned. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, any opportunity to network, any opportunity to work with individuals is going to grow your business. Your net worth is your network. I'm sure we've all heard that saying, and it's really true. The power of people and working with them, especially in this space is massive. 
But sitting in your house and watching social media is not going to get you where you want to go, unfortunately. So you can consume all the content and know everything you want to know. But yeah, you got to get out there and shake hands and, and actually meet with the people doing the things you want to do if you want to grow. Awesome. Well, I appreciate all that. I appreciate you diving into your superpower there. Are you ready to head over to the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. What is your best ever book recommendation? Who, not how. Do I expand upon this in the lightning round or just give you the answer? Yeah. Give me a nugget. A nugget? Really just look at the title. So it's really when you're looking to build your business, when you look at how to do it, look at who you can bring in to do it. Because as entrepreneurs, we have the tendency to try to take on too much and do too many things ourselves. And you are the bottleneck that's slowing down your business. So find the people that have the superpowers like we just discussed. Find those people, bring them in and make your team. And then you'll see a massive difference in your businesses. Yeah. Could not agree more. That was definitely an issue in my business as I grew. Yeah. Best ever way you like to give back. Man, for us, my wife and I love to travel and we've traveled the world. We've been over to 40 countries. We're actually looking to sell our house and everything, cars, all of it for yourselves from our material possessions this August and make this more of a full-time experience where we live on the road. But when we travel wherever we are in any part of the world, we try to find a family or somebody that is of need in that respective area. And it can be anything. It could be they just need a meal, they need clothes, they need time with somebody to listen to, whatever the case may be, and just spend time with that individual, give them the resources they need. And naturally, we do this with those in the U.S. as well, but we have very much of an international mindset that we love all people. It doesn't matter what color, race, gender, it doesn't matter where part of the world you're in. That allows us to connect at another level when we're traveling and also give back so that's the way in which we love to give back the most right now. Give me a mistake you made in one of your investment deals and the lesson learned from Oh, man. <laughs> I was hating this question. All right. There's a little backstory on this. I'll try to be brief. So listen, we've all made bad investments. I don't want you to think less of me as I tell you this story. So early in my investing career, this is a decade or so ago, I had a buddy, their dad owned a used car car dealership and they would sell cars that are very, very high interest rate. Cause they took people that had like zero credit, really awful credit. It was like 27% interest or something on the car note. This is something ridiculous. And they put low jack in these cars. So these cars were the asset and they had a very high yield on it because they were getting 27% on the dollar. But because it was a used car dealer, they couldn't have what's called a floor plan, which basically is how they get their inventory for all the cars. So I became that floor plan. So I took an investor's dollars. I bought all the cars. They buy them from auction. They add a little bit of a markup to it. And then I buy them at a discount. And then I have this annual percentage that's getting applied to it. And the idea in my head was, oh, cool. I've got this thing that's earning this much money every year. If something goes wrong with a car, if they don't pay for that car, they just stop the car. They go pick it up. They bring it back to the lot and they resell it. It felt very safe. I had a relationship with the owner. I had a relationship with the owner's son. And to make a long story short, I took my eyes off it. I didn't really do my due diligence on the individual, their track record and ability to collect payments because they were collecting the payments. And I was getting a check in the mailbox every month until I stopped and I didn't. And I was like, hey guys, where's the check? And they're like, ah, we got to talk to you. So I went in and I invested a quarter million bucks and I went in and they're like, yeah, it's all gone. I was like, what do you mean it's all gone? Cars were in lakes, somewhere in Mexico. It came off the rails because they weren't managing the asset very well or at all. There was about 10 cars left in the portfolio. 
So my wife was give me the titles, give me all their information. And we went and we started collecting payments on these cars for the better part of the next few years. We repoed some cars. That was fun and really learned a lot about that industry. So we were able to recoup some of it, but that was a really, really bad investment. So I do not recommend that one for the listeners. Oh yeah. That was a very unique story. First one I've heard of in uh, holding used car notes. So yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Sure. Derek, I've learned a lot today. I really appreciate all your insight on your operations, on your social media and your marketing background. Where can our audience learn more about your business and connect with you? Yes. If it's related to marketing, you can find me at Adapt Media Agency, or you can email me at Derek at Adapt Media Agency. And in terms of our fund and what we're doing in real estate, you can go to 10Y, the number one zero, the letter Y like yogurt dot life, or just hit me up at Derek. It's D-E-R-E-K at 10y.life. So that's where you can find me in either of those avenues. Awesome. And we will be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Listeners, if you got value from today's show, please leave us a five-star review on the app of your choice. Make sure you're following us on social media. And thank you again, Derek, for your time. Hope you all have a best ever day. Thanks, Joe. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.